Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Well, last week we began a brand new series from a very popular statement given from Joshua. It's Joshua chapter 4, verse 15. And Joshua, as a reminder, he was preaching to the people of uh, Israel, the Jewish people. Moses led them out of Egypt. They've now traveled 40 years in the wilderness. Moses has died, and Joshua is about to die. And he stands up before the Jewish people, and he kind of gives this last sermon to them. And he's challenging them to decide before they enter into the land of promise, before they get influenced with all the other influences around them, to go ahead and make a decision of what kind of home they want to be. Who are they going to serve? If you know the little uh, phrase that we're using as the service uh, sermon series title, if you know verse 15, Say it out loud with me online. When we say it, you go ahead and type it in the comments so everybody knows you know it too, okay? So Joshua 24, verse 15, here's what Joshua said. Ready? As for me and my house, we're going to serve or to worship the Lord. Today, we're going to go to verse 15. Because last week we saw the first half of the sermon of Joshua, how that he challenged us to be a house of grace. And a house of grace, if you remember what we talked about, acknowledges the personal nature of God and how he is present. He is present. And you talk about him. In fact, in fact, in fact, if you're a house of grace, you make it normal to talk about God in your home. And you talk about what he's done. You talk about what he's doing. You make it personal. You talk about how good God has been and how he's been with you and never leaves you nor forsakes you. And then you try to live out the nature of God in the home. As you learn the nature of God, you live that out. Your home should, be, uh, should have the atmosphere in it that reflects the nature of God because your children, your grandchildren, those who are influenced in your house are going to judge the nature of God by you. And the nature you represent God. And so we have this incredible responsibility. When you come to verse 14, Joshua now uh, challenges from being a house of grace to also being a house of worship. So today we're going to talk about creating houses of worship in our home. Verse 14 is the key verse today. In fact, I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then I'm going to ask you to come back with me through it one more time, circling, underlining key phrases, and you're going to see the entire outline of the sermon in one verse today. Look with me, Joshua chapter 24 and verse uh, 14. Let's read it out loud together. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. Then he goes into verse 15. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which you will worship the gods of your ancestors, worship who they worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my house, here's his declaration, we will worship the Lord. Go back up there to verse 14 and let's see the points of today in Joshua's sermon that he's going to speak to us about. The first one is this, circle this phrase, fear the Lord. Therefore, fear 
the Lord. And you and I need to understand what this word fear means. What does it mean when the Bible says to fear the Lord? Or when you read in the book of Proverbs when it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? Are we to be afraid of God? Are we to be terrified of God? No, you're going to see in a moment what this verse means for us. What is Joshua saying? The fear of the Lord. Then secondly, circle this. He says, and worship him. We are to fear the Lord, and then we're to worship him. And if you don't understand what fear means here, it sounds contradictory. How do you worship someone you're afraid of? But when you see what fear truly means here, it'll change your opinion of that. Fear the Lord and worship him. And how do we worship the Lord? In sincerity and in truth. Circle that phrase. In sincerity and truth. And then Joshua gives us a, a, called, a, a calling moment, a decision point. And he says, you've got to do something with this. What are you going to do with this? And here's his challenge. Circle this. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors. In other words, get rid of the idols in your life. Get rid of the idols in your life. So here's your outline. Fear the Lord, worship him in sincerity and truth, and get rid of the idols. Are y'all ready? We can sing just as I am and be done. But we're not going to do it that way here at CPC. Say amen. We're going to dive into it a little bit. Here we go. Number one on your message notes. Here's what I want you to capture. Online campus, write this down as well. If we're going to create houses of worship, houses that worship the Lord, Here's what we are talking about. Here's what we've got to make sure that we're teaching. We're going to show them. We're going to model in our homes. We're going to teach that houses of worship regards God at the highest honor. We regard God with the highest honor. Circle the word fear. And uh, let me just tell you, the word Joshua uses here does not mean an irrational fear or an extreme terror. This isn't come before God and be afraid when you walk in the room with him. This doesn't mean be so afraid that if God shows up today, you just want to run to the hills and hide behind the rocks. That day's coming for the unbelieving world, but that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to fear the Lord, not out of terror. Here's what the word means if you want to write down the definition. The word fear here means to be fearfully respectful. To be caught in awe. To hold him in highest reverence. To revere him. To honor him. This is what the verse here means when Joshua says to fear the Lord. If I can explain it like this, it's the attitude a child should have, and they don't always, but a child should have toward a parent or a grandparent. Toward if a school student should have toward a teacher and a principal, how a member in society should view a police officer or a person in the military or a, a fireman or some other person of authority. It is this incredible respect and honor you pay someone in a place of authority. And there's no one like God. And no one deserves a place of honor as high as God. If we respect a policeman, a school teacher, a, a, a pastor, or someone out in the community, if we respect our parents, how much more so should we teach the honor and the respect of Almighty God? I want you to look at this verse. This is powerful. I've gotten preachy every time I got to this verse today. First Chronicles 16. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples, 
For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. That says he is to be revered. He is to be honored above all gods. And I love verse 26. Just look at what the Bible says. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. Can somebody say amen? I just like, the Bible can be pretty plain sometimes, right? They're just worthless idols. But look, the Lord made the heavens. The Lord made the heavens. What's this verse telling us? Every once in a while, someone will say, who made God? Where did God come from? Who created God? And listen, if you know his name, the name God gave for himself to Moses, he is the I am. He is the Yahweh. He is Jehovah. It means the self-existent eternal God. There was no one in front of him. There'll be no one who ever comes in behind him. No one created him. He's always been. Our God is, has always been. He is today and he always shall be. He is God. He is the I am. And he is worthy of all our praise. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy of our God. He created him. He knew you nine months before your mom and daddy ever thought about you. And he had all your days written out in his book. Think about that for a moment. Who else could have came up with photosynthesis? I mean, come on. Just look at nature. The Bible says creation itself declares the glory of God. He is worthy of all our praise, and we should revere him. We should honor him. We should give him the praise that he deserves. Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments the second time, spent 40 days up on the mountain, and came down. Some of you may not realize he actually received the commandments twice. First time he got them, he came down. The people had went into idolatry, and in anger, he threw the tablets, and they broke God brought him back up on top of the mountain for 40 more days. And up there, he gave him the Ten Commandments a second time. And this time, when he came down, he came down with a message. I want you to look on your message notes at Deuteronomy and and look at chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your your God ask of you? Now, if you've ever wondered, I wonder what God wants from me. I'm going to answer it to you right here. We're going to give you an outline, another four-point sermon right here. You ready? What does God ask of you? Here's what he says. The Lord asks nothing except to fear the Lord your God. Circle that. He wants you to fear the Lord your God. Again, this is not a terrifying fear. This is a respect and an honor to hold him in highest reverence, to revere him, to honor him. And then he says... And to walk in his way. Circle that. So he says, I want you to respect me. I want you to honor me. I want you to look and see my position of authority. There's no one higher than me. And then I want you to walk in my ways. And then he says, I want you to love me. Do you see that? Circle it. What does God want from you? He wants you to respect and honor him. He wants you to walk in his ways. He wants you to love him. And then fourth, he says, and to worship the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul. Circle that phrase. Why? Because God doesn't want you to give him 40% of your heart. God doesn't want you to put 60% into your relationship with him. God doesn't want you to put 90% in your relationship with him. God wants you to put 100% of your love and adoration to him. There's no one above him. He is God. He is king. He is Lord of all. 
And watch this, watch this, watch this. Here's why this is so important. You understand the word fear here, and I'll spend most of my time on this one word, and then everything else will just kind of come together quickly. But I want you to capture this, because if you miss it, you miss it all. Why would the Lord say fear him? Why would Joshua say fear the Lord? Because the word they're using means to honor and to revere and to hold up into with, with all the honor, to give him all the praise, to, to respect him. Look up here. How many of you in your life have ever had someone you highly respected that you held in admiration? Anyone? Question. Did you listen what they said or did you just turn a deaf ear to everything they taught you? When they asked you to do something, did you do it? Or did you say, nah, not going to do it and do your own thing? Right, you listened to them, and you did what they asked. Why? Was it because you was afraid they wouldn't love you anymore? Was it because you was afraid they'd beat you? No, because you want to listen to someone you admire. You want to do what someone you respect asks of you. And when you didn't, and you hurt that person, you disobeyed them, how did you feel? Probably some guilt there, wasn't it? Some shame. How many of you hated to go back to someone and say, I messed it up? Anybody? I mean, that's, that's like terrible for me. It's like somebody I honor, if I messed it up, I didn't want to go tell them. But it wasn't because I was afraid they'd beat me. How about you? It's because you don't want to disappoint someone you love and you admire and you respect, correct? That's what the word fear here means. And there's no one in our lives we should honor and respect more than God. And look up here, look up here, look up here. The end of this sermon will make a lot more sense if you capture this moment right here. This is the hinge piece. When we serve and obey God, it should never be because we're afraid. God's like Zeus sitting on a cloud somewhere with a striking boat, just ready, a lightning boat ready to strike us down every time we do wrong. It should be because we honor and respect him so much. You don't want to disappoint or hurt somebody that you love. And that makes all the difference in the world. You with me? He says, fear the Lord. Why would God deserve to be feared and then to walk in his ways? That's the whole reason why the next line there in Deuteronomy is, is walk in his ways. Walk in the ways of the God you admire. Walk in his ways. Why? Because if you don't, it bothers you and you know you're disappointing the one you love. And then he says, listen, listen, listen. I don't want you just to go around as religious robots and, and just respecting me, yes, and, and doing what I say just mindlessly. He says, I want you to be following me with the sincerity of your heart i want you to love me with all of your heart and all of your soul did you hear, see what god said through deuteronomy it's with all the heart it all comes together now and by the way why would we want to love and worship the god we do from the bible do you know in all the religions of the world, every religion of the world that has a deity to worship will tell you that the deity will never come down to human standards and humanity has to raise themselves up to meet their God's standards. Every religion preaches that except Christianity. Look at Philippians chapter 2 with me. Here's what he says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Stop for a moment. Is Jesus God? 
Yes, does that mean Jesus was before Bethlehem? Absolutely, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus has always been. He is as much God as the Father and as much as the Father is the Holy Spirit. Three in one. And look, look, here's what he's saying. But Jesus did not consider being God uh, equality something to be exploited. Instead, everybody shout instead. Instead, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a servant. What? Wait a minute. No religion in the world preaches this. You're saying God emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he came as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Yes, that's exactly what we're preaching. Look at the next verse. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, whether on this earth or when you see him in glory, every knee will bow and tongue will confess. And not because they're being forced down to their knees. When we see him in his glory, the God who became a man, who took our sins to a cross who rose from the grave to give us everlasting life we will all bow in honor to him every knee will bow every tongue one day will confess i just pray you do it on this side of the grave that you may receive eternal life he deserves our praise he deserves our glory by the way, what's the number one term Jesus used for God in the Gospels? Anybody know? Abba. Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for our English word of daddy. In fact, the word Abba is more endearing, more intimate than our word daddy. And I know for some of you, you would say, I would never call God daddy. I would never start a prayer by saying daddy because that sounds so irreverent. Look up here at me. Let me tell you something. It's not about the word being irreverent. It's the condition of the heart. But you can highly honor and respect him, but also understand how intimate and how much he wants a relationship with you, that you can come respectfully to him and call him daddy at the same time. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. I love, uh, I love this passage. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I wanted to show you this because sometimes if you don't understand how to look up the words, you'll think the Bible's contradicting itself, and here's a good example. You've got to remember the Bible is not written in English, though we read it in the English translations. So Joshua says, fear the Lord. Deuteronomy says, what does the Lord ask of you except to fear the Lord? But then in Romans, Paul's talking about us who've received Christ for salvation. And he says these words, look at it with me. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, shout adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And you may read that and say, look, Joshua said to fear the Lord. Deuteronomy said fear the Lord. But Paul says as a Christian, I'm not to fear the Lord. I've not been given a spirit of fear. That's not the same word for fear. The word fear that Paul used was phobos or phobos. It's where you and I get the word phobia. How many has got a phobia of spiders? <laughs> right here. Amen. Who's got a phobia of heights? 
who's got a phobia of snakes. I know I get most of you with that one. All right. And whatever, whatever you're afraid of, uh, whatever that terrifying feeling is, that's not the fear of the Lord. That's not what God's asking. That's terrifying. You know what the Bible says? When you and I become a Christian, God does not give us a spirit of fear. He doesn't call us to be afraid of him. He calls us to honor and respect him and come to him as a child. Watch this, watch this, watch this. As a child to their father. We come in reverence and awe. And we cry, Abba. Everybody just shout the word Abba. All right, watch this. This is a great quote from a preacher of another generation, D.L. Moody. He said this, it makes all the difference in the world how we look upon God. Some people fear God, but when they understand that he is their father, that fear is gone. Can somebody say amen? All right, number one, a house of worship. I spent most of my time on this, but I want you to capture it. A house of worship is a house that regards God in the highest honor. How you communicate about God, how you talk about God in your family, how you worship in front of your family matters. We hold God in the highest of honor. And if you hold God in the highest of honor, there's something that will follow that and it will just be natural. Number two, write this down. A house that honors God will surrender in service to God. This is heads and tails of the same coin. Look back at verse 14 and you see how, Paul, uh, how Joshua started this out. Therefore, fear the Lord. Everybody shout reverence or revere the Lord. Shout revere. All right, honor, honor the Lord and worship him. Circle the word worship there. That word there means to work for or to serve. Now, now listen, this is why it's so important. Really, when we think of worship, we're thinking about music and singing and being expressive. Some of you love to worship expressively like that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Love that. But that's actually more of showing honor to the Lord in this respect. That's more of the fear of the Lord. The word worship here actually means to serve. Some of you can't sing worth a lick. But you make a joyful sound, a joyful noise to the Lord. So says all your people around you every Sunday morning. Say amen. And good for you. Keep it up. Here's the deal. But you love to serve. And you're a great servant. Look at me. One's not better than the other. They're heads and tails of the same coin. We should honor the Lord and respect. And that may mean how you worship with music or singing or, or how you talk about the Lord. But we should also, watch this. Worship also means to serve him. It's not just about singing and playing Christian music in our car. It's about being involved in service to the Lord and living it out in our daily lives and letting our children, our grandchildren see us serving and, and living out what it means to be a Christian, serving the Lord. Some of you are having to influence your spouse or influence your own parents. Serve the Lord. Worship him. Never be afraid or ashamed to talk about the Lord, but also let them see you serving the Lord as well. This is what we've been called into. Here's what a house of worship does. A house of worship holds God in the highest honor. A house of worship surrenders. And how do we surrender? Write this down in sincerity and truth. In other words, what that means is, is we serve him. We serve him with sincerity of the heart because our lives have been transformed by the truth of God's word. 
The deeper we grow in the Bible, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, the more we grow in this book, the deeper we grow in our knowledge of God, the deeper our walk with God grows, the closer our relationship becomes. No one will have to ask you to worship and no one will have to ask you to serve. They're the byproducts of a deep abiding relationship with God. The deeper you grow in the Lord, you'll honor him. And you want to serve the one you honor and you want to do it for the right reason. It's never about, oh, they put me on that list again to come serve this weekend. No, it's about serving the Lord because you want to honor the God that saved you and gave you his grace. Amen. All right. One more. Listen, this is what Jesus was talking about, too, in John four, when he said to a woman at a well, the hour has come and now he is Watch. he says the same words of Joshua that the Father is seeking those who worship Him, how? In spirit and in truth, in sincerity and in alignment with the truth of God's Word. Number three, and I pray you've been listening carefully because everything I've talked about today is important for you to really understand why I'm going with point number three here as I show you what Joshua said to the people. A house that worships. If you want to create a house of worship in your home, for your loved ones, your family, your neighborhood, they need to see that you are holding God in the highest honor, surrendering to Him in sincerity and truth, not out of compulsion, but willingly serving the Lord. And they need to see that you choose to serve God over indulging in sin. Write that down. Look back at what Joshua says in his challenge. He says in verse 14, to fear the Lord, everybody shout to honor, to worship him in sincerity and truth, somebody shout to serve. But you see that next line? And get rid of the gods that your ancestors worship. Get rid of your idols. And before you start feeling like everybody's turning their eyes to you and looking to you, I need you to understand there's no one in this room, no one watching online, and no one preaching on the stage at this present moment that are without sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the question that, that Joshua is asking and the question that I'm posing to all of us if we're going to have houses of worship is this, do we love God more than we love our sin? That's where the decision has to come in because we all got some stuff we need to be working on and all of us has got some stuff we need to repent of and we all got some things we need to hand over to the Lord. Anything you love more, fear God, or serve more than you do God is an idol in your life. And Joshua said to the people, if you're going to honor the Lord and you're going to walk in his ways, you've got to get rid of the idols. And the word repent is a word that we all need to become much more familiar with. And the word repent does not mean ask for forgiveness, by the way. Though we should ask the one we honor for forgiveness when we do wrong, right? The word repent means to cut it off, to turn around, to go a different direction. It is get rid of the idol. It's not, oh God, I'm sorry I got this idol in my life. God, I'm sorry I got this lust. I'm sorry I'm playing with this temptation. I'm sorry I'm accepting this sin in my home right now. It's, God, there's a sin in my home right there. I, I, I got to cut that off. I can't, we got to get rid of that. God, help me. God, God, help me. That's a temptation for me. That's a weakness for me. Help me. 
How many believe your Heavenly Father will help you with any sin you confess to Him today? And again, 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 no eyes on you, all eyes on each other, on our own selves, because we all got some stuff we need to hand over to the Lord. Can I get a witness? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? That's between you and Him. But here's what I know. God has a better plan for you than the sin will drag that the sin that's trying to drag you down. It'll keep you from what God wants for you. I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 on your message notes. And here's what it says. For all of us who have asked Jesus to forgive us of our sin, to save us and give us eternal life, you've been born again. You've been saved. Here's what the Bible says about you. So we are the temple of the living God. Somebody shout a temple. The temple of the living God is not this building, y'all. The temple is you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. All this building is is a collection of the temples of God when we gather every week. You're the temple of God. And notice what God says he wants to do with you, temples. God says, I will dwell with you and I will walk among you and I will be your God and you'll be my people. How many say that's a pretty good plan from God right there? It doesn't get much better than that. Amen. I will be with you. I will be your God. I'll walk with you. But then he's going to ask something of us. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I'll welcome you. Here's this promise. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What's the one thing he asks of us? Is that we honor and respect him enough not to accept sin in our lives. Not that we won't sin, we will. We shouldn't want, we shouldn't try to, but you know, when it happens, here's what you do. You don't accept it. You acknowledge it. You confess it. You cut it off. God, I I, God I can't go back there. I can't do that again. Forgive me. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. This is how this writing goes on because when Paul was writing this, by the way, there wasn't a chapter break here. He didn't say chapter 6, chapter 7. Men put that in there. This is one continuous thought. And here's the, the beginning of the next line. He says, so then, and see, if you don't go back and read chapter six, you don't know what the so then is for. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, what promises? That if we will not accept sin in our lives and we will, we will keep ourselves consecrated to the Lord, he'll walk among us, he will be our God, and we'll be his sons and daughters. Watch this. Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the, what's the next word? It's what we've been talking about the whole sermon. There it is again. In the fear of God, out of the torrential fear of God. Do we, do we try to live right and repent of sin because we're afraid God's going to strike us down? No. It's because God wants such a beautiful relationship with you and he deserves to be honored. If you truly love him and honor him, you'll get rid of the sin because listen, 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 I want you to listen to me. Why does God want us to deal with sin in our lives and in our homes? Because sin separates you from fellowship. Sin puts a barrier in your fellowship. You know what God is promising here when he says, I'll come and I'll walk with you and I'll be your God and you'll be my sons and daughters. He's saying, when you walk with me, I will bring my presence 
I will bring my presence and my fellowship into your life. I'll bring my presence into your fellowship and my fellowship into your home. How many want the presence of God in our houses and over our families and in our lives? And God says, that's what I want for you. But you gotta get rid of the idols, why? Because sin breaks the fellowship. Let me give you an illustration you'll all understand. How many of you have lived in the house with someone you love very much and y'all were at odds about something? You ever been at odds with someone in your house? Family member, a friend, come on, married people. If you're married, you better say amen. Our marriage counselors and deacons are ready to lay hands on you. Amen. We've all been in the home and at odds at times. Come on, look up here. Were you still in the family? Yes. Did you still love each other? Yes. Were you in beautiful fellowship at the moment? No, not at all. Still in the family, still loved, just out of fellowship. The most miserable people on the planet are not sinners outside of God's grace. The most miserable people on the planet are Christians out of fellowship with their God. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit moves inside of you at the moment of your salvation. You are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. Holy Spirit's not moving out because you brought some sin in there. Instead, the Holy Spirit's staying in there and he is kicking dust all over the inside of your house, inside of your heart. And the whole time you're sinning, the Holy Spirit's in there saying, get this place cleaned up. This is a pigsty. This ain't what God wants for you. That's why you're so miserable. You can't be in sweet fellowship with the Lord and sinning at the same time. Amen? So what does he call us to do? If we want to be a house of worship, honor the Lord. Worship him, serve him with all our heart. And in doing so, here's what we got to do. Here's our action step. We got to go back home in our homes, in the home of our heart and say, is there anything in there that I'm accepting that God isn't pleased with? And if there is, we need a clean house called repentance and ask God to forgive us and give that up and turn it to the Lord. Amen? Amen? What will God do? He'll chasten us like a father loves his children. He'll discipline us, right? I was teasing my grandson, Brock, yesterday. We were going to the deer camp and putting up a deer blind and stuff. He wants to go hunting with me and his daddy this fall. And he's all excited about it. And, and it's all, you know, the, you know, so many trees and limbs everywhere. Brush it. I said, Brock, today's a good day for a switching. And he said, what's a switching? And I said, bless your little heart, buddy. You don't even know what a switch is. So I had to explain what a switch is. But you know what I love? He'll, he'll never know what a switching is from Pat. Amen. Because see, discipline isn't to beat out of anger. You know what the word discipline means? It means to teach. You know why God won't let us enjoy sin? Is He's disciplined us to teach us what, how beautiful it is to walk in fellowship with God. And once you walk in fellowship with God, you'll never accept less than that. You should never want less than that. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the big takeaway. And then we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song. And today's decision day. Today's just a good day. We're going to have baptisms next week. You know what would be beautiful today? Some of you today to make a decision to let the Holy Spirit clean house a little bit. 
And if you've never publicly been baptized to show people your commitment to the Lord, you sign up today to be baptized next Sunday. Some of you have never been saved, and today is decision day for you to say, as for me and my house, we're going we're to live for the Lord. And you pray and receive Christ today, and you sign up. We'll baptize you next Sunday. Today's a good day to declare, as for me and my house. So let's honor the Lord. Let's serve Him out of the sincerity of our heart, and let's deal with our sin. Here's your big takeaway. You know what a house of worship looks like? A house of worship is simply a house a place of surrendered lives and transformed hearts. How many of you will surrender your life to the Lord and allow his grace to transform you today? That's what a house of worship looks like. If you want a house of worship, I'm gonna ask you to make that known by standing to your feet. If you want a house of worship that honors the Lord and lives for the Lord, stand to your feet today. And we're gonna pray together. Lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, look down upon our hearts today. And, and God, we just pray for a stirring of the Holy Spirit to do something beautiful over the next couple of moments. Asking you, Father God, to stir us on the inside. And wherever there's sin, wherever there's things that we've accepted or even turned a, a blind eye to, that God, today, the Holy Ghost would have permission to bring out the dust mop and just start sweeping up the house and cleaning us up. And we ask you to forgive us. Father God, today, whatever it means to serve you with sincerity for us, we, we pray we'll step out and start serving you, not grudgingly, not our compulsion, not our guilt or shame, because we want to do what the God we love and honor so much has called us to do. Whatever it is that you're calling people to do today, the steps to take, I pray they'll take it because they honor you and respect you.